0: I'm Chris Moats, and this is Faith in Politics. On this broadcast, we range from the soul to the state as we explore those principles and cultivate those virtues that help us live well as faithful Catholics in this great land. Well, welcome back for another episode, folks. The sun is shining and my bees are flying. By this time last year, I had had a major catastrophe as a brand new beekeeper. One of my hives of bees had up and departed, but I've got two boxes full of bees still buzzing very, very happily. So I'm a a happy resident here in the north end of Sioux Falls. Back for another episode here. You know, we kind of do this um, uh, sort of balance between sort of hot topics of the day. You know, last week we we did a pro-life update with uh, Greg Schleppenbach of the USCCB's pro-life office, talked a bit about the Equality Act, the Hyde Amendment, and um, some kind of some things that are happening in Washington right now. We're going to take a step back and talk uh, some bigger picture principles. Uh, joining me again on the program uh, today is our regular guest and contributor, Dr. John Schaff, professor of political science at Northern State University in Aberdeen, South Dakota. The author, of Abraham Lincoln's Statesmanship and the Limits of Liberal Democracy. Actually, I think this book is something we discussed very first appearance on the program and um, author of many other fine books and articles that can be read at such places as The Public Discourse, a great online resource, and The Front Porch Republic. Dr. Schaff, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me, Chris. Appreciate it. Well, and our topic for today is distributism. And this, as I, as you reminded me, you're going to bring out this book again, Abraham Lincoln's Statesmanship and the Limits of Liberal Democracy. When we first, I think our very first episode that we recorded together was, I don't know, a year and a half ago, two years ago, something like that. We talked about this book. Um, So we're going to unpack a little bit. Distributism for folks that have never uh, heard the word before, it's just a really fascinating kind of area of the of of the church's thought. And folks maybe have heard it if they read a little bit of Hilaire Belloc and uh, or G.K. Chesterton, some That's of its yep. sort of major proponents following uh, Leo the Thirteenth's mm-hmm. great encyclical uh, *Rerum Novarum*. But uh, yeah, it's it's in the church's social doctrine. And, and professor, I'm grateful you brought it up. So maybe um, just like take it. Take it from the take it from the top what is what is distributism and and how does it connect to the church
1: and her thought yeah um i, I think the first thing i say is I, distributism is an economic theory and i wouldn't call it a catholic economic theory but i would call it a theory that arises from catholic thought let's put it that way sure. i mean it's not like it's doctrine Uh, or something like that. It's not like you have to believe this, but uh, as you pointed out, uh, uh, really coming out of the late 19th, early 20th century, uh, Catholic thinkers like Hilaire Belloc, G.K. Chesterton, uh, drawing from some of the Catholic social teaching, most directly, you mentioned Leo XIII's uh, famous and very influential encyclical, Rerum Novarum, kind of create this, different economic theory. And even in America, there's, um, something called the Catholic land movement that, um, is popular say in the 1940s into the 1950s uh, that, that draws a lot from distributist thinking. Uh, certainly I would say is, is, a, uh, is a close cousin to distributism. And the whole idea of distributism in, in a nutshell, obviously we'll get into more details as we go on, but if, if I was gonna just kind of do it in you know, a couple sentences, it's, it's a, a third way i wouldn't call it between capitalism and socialism but alongside capitalism and socialism uh, that the basic idea is is that ownership of property especially productive property what we would think of as capital should be as widely distributed as possible uh, and so that every worker to again to the extent possible would have some part ownership in capital, uh, and, and you know, we can get into more details than that, but I would say that's, the, that's the, the, uh, the, the, the thumbnail sketch of it, and thus you can see where it gets the name distributism is the idea that property should be distributed so again, productive property, capital should be distributed as widely as as possible so
0: so lots of family farms, lots of small businesses mm-hmm. I, I you know I think this and Chesterton, I think one of the ways he put it just to paraphrase would be a, a capitalism in which there are as many capitalists as possible rather than rather than very very few
1: capitalists yeah. so um, oh, go ahead, go ahead, no please uh, well I was going to say this maybe that 's the segue into. Uh, a way to look at this, I think, uh, I think probably how we're going to proceed here is to say, okay, what's distributism? It has a critique of capitalism as normally understood. There's a critique of socialism. And yeah. then, you know, maybe, so then what is this thing? And, and you're sort of getting that, like, hinting at from, um, uh, from Chesterton, the critique of capitalism that comes from distributism is, 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 is two. Part one is, is that in practice, capitalism tends to concentrate capital into a few hands, right? So capital accumulates into a very few hands, corporate hands, and this gives them undue power. We even you know, see this in our day is Amazon. that you know, how, many, how many people actually own their own company how many people actually work for themselves as opposed to shall we say working for the man sure. um and this actually is, is the connection i end up making in the book let's see if i can sell a book here um, is, uh i think lincoln's theory of free labor uh runs very much in harmony with this i don't think it's the same as distributism but it's it's critique is 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 close and that lincoln says that free labor is distinct both from slave labor, which is obviously unjust, but also wage labor. Yeah. That when you're working for someone else, that's better than slave labor, but it's not free labor. And so most of us find ourselves working for somebody else. And even if we have a sort of you know, a widely distributed, um, some would argue that we do actually have capital widely distributed because so many of us are owners of stock like if you you. if you have a retirement uh, account you have a pension a 401k an IRA you are probably invested in lots of lots of companies because um, your mutual fund or your retirement uh, fund does this but you're not really in in uh, in governance of that of that company so, your ownership is absentee you're you 're not really taking part in the running of that business and that so that 's one critique of capitalism is that it, it tends to concentrate power in into very few hands and then the the second argument is that um, it tends that, that brings about exploitation. So one of the papal papal encyclicals that draws from Rerum Novarum is Pius XI wrote an encyclical on the 40 year anniversary of Rerum Novarum. So it's called Quadrisimo Anno, no, on 40 years. And one of the things that he says is that uh, property that is capital has undoubtedly long been able to appropriate too much to itself whatever was produced whatever returns accrued capital claim for itself hardly leaving to the worker enough to restore and renew his strength and so because too much problem power goes to capital it's able to exploit the worker and the worker doesn't get his fair due which the worker would if he were working for himself in some sort of small entrepreneurial enterprise yeah it's um... And
0: that's a, just to give this a bit of historical context too. You know, Karl Marx wrote his manifesto in Marx and Engels. It was 18 was it 40s? Uh, yeah, so, I yeah, I want to say it's I want to say it's
1: 1848. That's so 1848. and actually, I, just
0: last night I'm trying to fall asleep before bed. I, I pulled a book off the shelf and was reading a little Arrestus Brownson from the 1840s. Oh, yeah. You bet. Yep. And he's commenting on some of these same problems of yep. of the separation between capital and labor and the dignity of man in work, and just how dignifying it can be for a human being to like reach one's potential in, in being able to um, sort of enjoy the fruits of one, one's own labors and, and put money away. And uh, so it, just the historical context to keep in mind for some of the development of this thought, which is still very, very relevant today, but it's it's this sort of industrial revolution, mm-hmm. and and now we have huge numbers of people that are no longer. Um, it's no longer an agrarian. Our our country and really the Western world is transitioning from an agrarian base to an industrial one, and so we've got this problem of people that are really just barely scraping by. Um, so yeah. which is spawning well, a are, lot of the stock.
1: This is the when when. We, we, we need to get to the critique of socialism here too we've, we've dumped on capitalism we got to dump on socialism a little bit too but your your context is exactly right when leo writes *Rerum novarum on new things the new thing he's talking about is this new economic condition of what do we do about a world where people are not shopkeepers or small mm-hmm. agriculturalists people are Going to the cities and they're working in factories. And how do we respond to that condition? Now, on the one hand, what a one response would have been uh, sort of the, the laissez faire response, which is just let let the free market run amuck and whatever happens happens, and this is the most productive thing, and allow capital to accumulate into relatively few hands. Of course, another response of that was the socialist response, which is let the state take over the means of production and let it direct it on behalf of the people. And the problem with this, this is what Belloc, Hilaire Belloc, you know, a good English Catholic of the, of the early 20th century calls the servile state. Yeah. This is what he, where he thinks things are, are going is more in the socialist uh, bent uh, in his time. Uh, he thought it was going more to a socialist bent. And, he said, and his critique and Chesterton's critique of this is that really what's happening is ownership isn't in the hands of the people, which is what socialism often claims, but it's in the hands of bureaucrats yeah. who claim to rule on behalf of the people. So you you really get the same problem that you get out of their critique of capitalism is that power is accumulated into very few hands except now it's it's even more dangerous because it's in the hands of the state um and the state can now we now become wards of the state which is why uh Bella calls it the servile state is that you're you're no longer free because you you can't go about um your daily life without running into a a, a government apparatus and so this also is not conducive to um to to freedom to the flourishing of the human person because now you're under the control and your your productive life is under the the control of the state and and you're not able to um to produce and care for yourself you're you're under control of of a state apparatus so to speak
0: so so what does what what does distributism what is this sort of stream of thought uh chesterton and belloc rooted in in leo and Pius the 11th what does it say in response like what is its positive proposition here.
1: Let me, let me uh, just read this. This would be about three sentences from, from Leo, right? This is, he calls for the notion that property should be more, what he calls more equitably divided. And this is what he says. If working can be working, people can be encouraged to look forward to obtaining a share in the land. The consequence will be that the gulf between vast wealth and sheer poverty will be bridged over. And the respective classes will be brought nearer to one another. A further consequence will result in the great abundance of the fruits of the earth. Men always work harder and more readily when they work on that, which belongs to them. And so the idea here, and it's, in again, Paul uh, Pius the, the, the 11th, 40 years later says, as we have already indicated following in the footsteps of our predecessor, that's Leo, It will be impossible to put these principles into practice unless the non-owning workers through industry and thrift advance the state of possessing some little property. So through policy like workers' associations, through um, policies that make it as easy as possible for an individual to start their own company, uh, their own operation, through things like, it could be something like uh, democracy in the workplace or uh, worker-owned businesses, um, that each worker, as much as we possibly can, and there are some critiques of distributism, by the way, that we can get into, but, but as much as we possibly can, each individual has some ownership in their work. Um, and this does, it, it brings about e- equality because, because property is distributed more equitably. You don't have property concentrated into a few hands, which then also means that power is distributed because, because everybody feels as if they have some stake in the game and, and economic power is not maldistributed into the hands either of a few capitalists or, into the hands of state bureaucrats but also the claim is that this is more productive because as leo indicates that people tend to work hardest when they feel like they're working for themselves and that they have uh some stake in what they're doing that i'm i'm not just if you will working for the man but i have some stake i have some say in And how I go about my business. And so, you know, a farmer works wakes up every morning and we all know that every farmer, you know, there are things you have to do, right? Right. But at least every morning you wake up and and you get to decide, this is what I'm going to do today. Even though we know some of that is dictated by conditions right? You get to decide, this is what I'm going to do today. Or the entrepreneur says, you know, this is what I'm going to accomplish today. And this, this is mine, right? This is my business. And I work for myself. So, to the extent that we can do that, uh, we get all these benefits of equality, of, of power distributed, and, and also more productivity um, because um, uh, people work hardest when they're working for themselves.
0: in just like the last couple minutes of this conversation this principle of subsidiarity keeps coming yes. to mind. Let's maybe just talk a little bit about how how this idea relates to the the church's principle of subsidiarity but also I think there's yeah. a connection to solidarity too.
1: Yeah actually okay let's take those in in turn. So even what I was just saying you're right it has so subsidiarity Right, which has been called the very essence of catholic economics right here here's a definition of subsidiarity from from the, the the catholic writer george weigel the community must not deprive individuals nor larger communities deprive smaller communities of the opportunity to do what they can do for themselves yeah so to the extent that we can orient our social life To our most fundamental communities and the most fundamental of communities is the family right so the extent that a family provides for itself or that you know your neighborhood provides for itself so on and so forth to the extent that we can leave power at the that the position closest to the family that is a social good in fact you know Leo in Rerum Navarum's he locates the right to property which he does say there's a right to own property. So it's, you know, that's, so it's not like, it's not like it's, you know, you invoke Marx earlier. It's not like a Marxist claim that, 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 that property ownership is merely exploitation, but the right to property is located in the right of the family to take care of itself. Right. So the right to property derives from the, the, the fundamental social unit, the family and the right of that family to provide for itself. And this is here again, this is what Leo says. He he says, a father should provide food and all necessaries for those whom he has begotten. Again, this is where, uh, and he says, in so much as the domestic household is antecedent as well in ideas in fact, to the gathering of men into community, the family must necessarily have rights and duties which are prior to those in provisioning society. Private association should be used before the state, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, and so the family is founded in nature and our economic system should be should be organized around the family. And, and that is is it's not the very definition of subsidiarity, but it's at, at, at the very foundation of, sub, of subsidiarity.
0: You know, and that can be kind of hard for us to think as Americans, even in just like our, you know, our founding documents and Bill of Rights. We talk about individual liberties. We sort of see yeah. the individual as the locus of the universe, like yep. that's it, the the solitary individual. But in fact, you know, one of our uh, legislators this last year in um, it was Senate bill 177, it was sort of a homeschool, yeah. like a parental freedom and education bill. They use this term in peer, local control, they're a big fan, everybody, local control. And and this legislator, Senator Steinhauer, district nine, uh, um, he's in. Te- he was this, the Senate Prime, and he was saying, "You know, this principle of local control. I think local control, where this principle truly has its home, is in the family. That's the true essence of local control. Is when we're empowering families." I just thought, "Man, this guy just nailed it. He nailed the principle of subsidiarity.
1: It's hard to get more local than that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> than the household. That's right. Uh, is the most local of them all. And so uh, it's it's not like it's, it's not like there is a." Uh, a moral imperative for people to homeschool, but homeschooling is an example of subsidiarity in action as is your, your, your sure. Catholic school. It's, it's a, it's a parish community or sometimes yeah. multiple parish communities coming together and saying as a community, we're going to educate our own. Right. And, and not leave it up to the state uh, to do that for us. And sometimes people do that. Say our family is going to, it's going to educate our own kids, especially we all, when you find – so it just so happens, I homeschool. And partially because we have a particular pedagogical vision, which we can't find here in Aberdeen, right? Because yeah. we do classical education, so it's on us right. to do it ourselves. Because, again, nothing against our Catholic school system here in Aberdeen, which is fine, but they have a different – slightly different pedagogy right. than, than what my wife and I. So we take care of it ourselves, and that subsidiarity. And, I, and as far as distributism goes, apply that to – uh, to economics is giving as much power as possible to to individuals, and that derives from the right of the individual to provide for his family. Okay, we've got five or six minutes left here. Yep. What about solidarity? How does this wanted, this principle yep. fit in? We got to talk about that. Um, solidarity is often linked to subsidiarity. I, I would look at it in in, in this way: is um, we, we often talk about uh you know social class right and growing inequality um, and w- what solidarity says is that when we come together, and this is you know the the, the church oh you know, think of sunday mass is is a great exemplar of this yeah. when you come to mass the the wealthiest person is equal to yes the, the lowest person right yeah. you know, scripture you know, there, there, there is no, there is no Jew. There is no Greek, right? That we do not know distinctions. Um, and so what we want out of solidarity, which people, you know, you, you can sort of get it from the name or people who are of a certain age, maybe my age or older will remember the Polish solidarity movement, the political yes. party in Poland in the 1980s, right. uh, the solidarity movement. Um, the idea is, is that we come together and we don't recognize these distinctions, right? Uh, they, they bleed away. And so a lot of what distributors argue for is sort of like working man's associations, which are related to, but not the same maybe as labor unions. So again, labor unions might be a cousin to this, but not quite the same thing. It's more like a guild more like a guild and even think of some like the knights of columbus sure. is is kind of the association that they're talking about because so even like through think of knights of, of columbus I, I bet you know, many people listening to this are knights or you're you're married to a knight sure um what what do the knights provide knights provide scholarships yeah. they provide insurance uh, obviously, they, they provide uh, social assistance. You know, they, they 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 do charitable works throughout the community. Yeah. that is what that's solidarity. When when you come together as knights, and when you have a night meeting, it doesn't. All those social distinctions that we sometimes have out in the world are supposed to disappear. Right. Right. And now we are together as brother knights, and everything else disappears. Um, but. The idea there's a community, there's a line from Anthony Esselin, a great Catholic writer of our day, right, who puts it this way, and he's, he's interpreting Leo. He says, Leo has in mind a society wherein the rich man and the poor man are friends. They live near one another, they celebrate at the same festivals, they kneel beside one another in church, they know each other's children. Yeah. Uh, and that solidarity or the, yeah, solidarity. And so an economic system should be one in which if you, if you create, whether through guilds, through sort of associations or simply through the wide distribution of property, people work together hand in hand. We provide each other our goods, right? And we don't have these massive class distinctions. Even if we think about things as, you know, as, as simple as you can almost apply distributism to city planning, How do we plan a city? Do we have rich people live over here and poor people live over here? Or we have this kind of housing here, this kind of housing there. do Do we build homes separate from communities or do we build neighborhoods, right? right? The, the sort of neighborhood here, you can think of things like uh, the, the, the great urbanist, Jane Jacobs in her uh, uh, writing on, on city planning, how in, in urban areas, which we don't have as much of here in South Dakota, right. you should have na- in my neighborhood, I should be able to go to a bank, go to a school, yeah. go to a shop, Right, you know, you get some bananas and milk, right, right. within walking distance, uh, and that should be the way cities are planned. That's kind of a solidarity way, and even we're all looking out for each other, right? Jacobs, uh, and I'm now trying to think of her name on. Maybe you remember it, uh, the name of her book on. Uh, it's the, the the it's something about great cities. Now, now, yeah, I know, I don't uh, remember I'm now. Blanking on the name of it, but she talks about the way like shopkeepers keep an eye on the neighborhood kids. That's right. Yeah. Right. Um, and and that's solidarity that you have a neighborhood kid and it's not just the parents who look out for the kid, but the neighbors look out for the kid. Even the shopkeeper says, hey, kid, slow down. You know, watch when you run across the street, that kind yeah. of thing. And, and that's solidarity. I think so. We've only got two
0: minutes left uh, here. And I think this, this this idea is fascinating. This whole this constellation of thought is fascinating, but also so foreign to us, I think. Yeah. Maybe just in closing, what do you have for like a couple little tips for listeners whose interests are piqued? And I should say, listeners, that I'm going to put uh, some links up in the show notes for those that want to dive in a little more to some of the, the papal teachings, and just uh a little more if you've been teased a little bit but professor what do you got for us in
1: kind of our last minute i would look at so, yeah. this way because i think it is actually in the way our economy is right now i think achieving the distributist ideal is probably close to impossible yeah uh it would cause, it would take such radical change that it's 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 not really practical and that's one of the critiques of distributism is it's not really practical you can't really uh or economy around, you know, the hobbits in the Shire, <laughs> which right. is sort of like a model of distributism is, is Tolkien's right. Shire. Uh, but things like what people should think about, like if you're a business owner, how much do you include your workers in the say-so of how your, how your business is run? Mm. Could you set up a business where the employees have um, an economic interest, things like profit sharing, or there are of course companies that are employee owned. Uh, can, you, can we do that? Or then in our own shopping, when we have an option, and we all know that, that sometimes buying local is more expensive. So maybe not on everything, but maybe no, maybe once a month, I go into the, the farmer's market instead of the Walmart. Maybe yeah. I go to the local supermarket sometimes instead of the, the, the chain supermarket. Maybe I buy from a local, uh, a, a local manufacturer instead of the big box store, these sorts of things. Um, so maybe in short, buy local instead
0: of on Amazon. Exactly. Right. Professor, we're out of time. I just want to say thank you for joining us. It's been a fascinating conversation. And uh, dear listeners, as always, thanks for tuning in. If you like this conversation, don't hesitate to reach out. You can go to sdcatholicconference.org, click Contact Us. Let us know how we did. Until next time, live well.